It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Last fall, Sacramento voters approved a controversial law called Measure O that banned homeless encampments on public property. The California Report explores the city's enforcement efforts since the measure's approval. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Lieutenant Sean Scales, the Emergency Operations Center Coordinator for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, about the importance of knowing your zone in an emergency situation. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. A new UC San Diego study finds fighting climate change will not ease the pollution burden carried by some communities of color. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has the details. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions is widely expected to help clean up air pollution, but communities of color could continue to suffer disproportionately. The study found implementing climate-friendly policies may deliver cleaner air overall, but not necessarily climate justice. Researcher Pascal Polonik looked at climate policies that focused on inexpensive strategies, low-income neighborhoods, or areas with the poorest air quality. When implementing these climate policies, so things that are meant to target greenhouse gases, what will the effect be on those conventional air pollutants, which are often emitted at the same time? Polonik says reducing tailpipe emissions was the most equitable approach. The findings are published in the current edition of the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. For the California Report, I'm Eric Anderson in San Diego. As climate change brings more extreme heat days, a group of researchers is urging California lawmakers to require K-12 schools to develop heat resiliency plans. Stephanie O'Neill-Pattison of KFF Health News has more. Researchers at UCLA's Luskin Center for Innovation issued the recommendations to protect students from high temperatures. Their suggestions in a May policy brief include establishing a statewide indoor high temperature limit, documenting air conditioning and shade available at each school, and investing in more shade at schools. The brief says shade alone can reduce heat stress by 25 to 35 percent. Replacing heat-absorbing asphalt and rubber with grass and wood chips also helps. As one example of extreme heat, researchers reported 140-degree-plus temperatures on play equipment at a Los Angeles school and 162 degrees on the playground's rubber mats. California lawmakers are considering two heat measures, one requiring schools to establish heat plans by 2027 and the other to make it easier for schools to create more shaded spaces. That was Stephanie O'Neill-Pattison from KFF Health News. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at Guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Last fall, Sacramento became one of the latest California cities to ban homeless encampments on public property after voters approved a controversial law called Measure O. But as CAP Radio's Chris Nichols reports, enforcement of the measure is off to a sluggish start. 
During last year's campaign for Measure O, supporters said the ballot measure would send a clear message to city leaders that their lack of progress solving Sacramento's homeless crisis was unacceptable. Good evening and thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. That's Daniel Conway at a forum on the measure last summer. He led the Yes campaign. Even just as I was walking in, I was coming from my daughter's soccer practice and walking through the park, you see people living in the park. And I think it's heartbreaking and it's, it's gone on far too long. But six months after a slim majority of voters approved Measure O, it's clear the initiative hasn't made a dramatic change either. New homeless outreach teams created as a result of the measure have connected just 55 people to shelter. Meanwhile, thousands remain on the street. City officials say they've reduced the size of some homeless encampments, but haven't eliminated any because of Measure O. They also haven't issued a single citation under the new law. For his part, Conway says he's not bothered yet by the slow start, but he wants to see Sacramento ramp up new shelter space so that the law can truly go into effect. Right now, I'm, I'm willing to be patient. I've had enough conversations. I understand that people really kind of are figuring this out and putting real effort into it. But if we're still having this conversation in three to six months, then yeah, I think it's a different conversation, you know, because we can't wait forever. Mario Lara is Sacramento's assistant city manager. He says the city is complying with Measure O's requirements, which call for identifying and authorizing hundreds of new shelter spaces. But many of those spaces won't open until later this year or next because of delays. I get the frustration that's out there. Um, but we are using all available resources to help resolve uh, the, the issue. In many cases, city officials cannot ask unhoused people to move from public property unless shelter is immediately available. There are exceptions. People living near schools and childcare centers and along freeways can be relocated without the offer of shelter. Camps blocking sidewalks can also face penalties due to a separate city law. Across the street from Stanford Park, just two miles from the state capitol, a homeless encampment with 40 tents lines the sidewalk. 38-year-old Damian Newton lives there. He's been without a permanent home most of his adult life. Before he settled near the park, Newton says Caltrans forced him and others to move away from a nearby freeway. We stayed there before, but Caltrans put up fences to get rid of us. Under Measure O, Newton says he expects the shuffling of tents from one place to the next will continue. If you're trying to really fix a problem, you got to actually try and fix a problem, not just come at it aggressively, because it's just going to make more people worse. Sacramento City Council member Katie Valenzuela, who opposed the measure, says only continued political pressure will solve the crisis on the streets. I did not believe Measure O was the solution. I did not believe it would create the options that we needed. And so far, unfortunately, in the first six months, I've been proven right. So what's the best thing to come from Measure O so far? Supporters and critics say it's Sacramento's city and county governments starting to work together, even if slowly, on the homeless problem through a deal required by the voter initiative. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. Undergraduate students at Stanford University will have a chance to take a course on Taylor Swift's storytelling this fall. It's the second Taylor Swift course at the prestigious university, and it's titled The Last Great American Songwriter, Storytelling with Taylor Swift Through the Eras. 
the first, All Too Well, 10-week version. That's a play on her iconic song, All Too Well, 10-minute version. And that's the California Report for Thursday, June 22nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, in a media release, Nevada County stated that at today's Local Agency Formation Commission, or LAFCO, meeting, Nevada County Consolidated Fire District, Penn Valley Fire Protection District, and Rough and Ready Fire Protection District announced their intention to explore reorganization as one new district. Uniting the three independent fire districts would potentially strengthen and stabilize fire services for over 25,000 households, and the plan could be in place within a year. Penn Valley Fire Protection District and Nevada County Consolidated Fire District chiefs have partnered to ensure the Rough and Ready Station Number 59 remains open to serve area residents, and starting on July 1st, it'll be jointly staffed full-time by two Penn Valley and Nevada County Consolidated Firefighters. A fire services committee that's co-chaired by Supervisor Sue Hook and Supervisor Lisa Swarthout is working with the districts to develop a joint agreement to support the reorganization. The draft agreement calls for the county to support the reorganization by pledging up to $500,000 per year for the next two years to operate Station Number 59 with county funds matching Rough and Ready's existing revenues. It'll include a finance and operations plan, which is expected to demonstrate the financial sustainability of the newly reorganized district. The final agreement is set to be considered by the fire district boards in July and by the Board of Supervisors in August. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, Tonight, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly clear, with a low around 48. Friday, sunny with a high near 71. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 52. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms, then a chance of showers after 8 p.m. Snow level 9,800 feet, lowering to 9,000 feet after midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low around 38. Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 64. Friday night, partly cloudy with a low around 41. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 55. Friday, partly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 79. Friday night, partly cloudy with a low around 54. Currently, there are no red flag warnings or fire weather watches. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Wildfire season is upon us, and knowing which zone you live in is more important than ever. Coming up, KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Lieutenant Sean Scales, the Emergency Operations Center Coordinator for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, about how Zone Haven can help you and your family in the event of an emergency. We're talking with Lieutenant Sean Scales from the Nevada County Sheriff's Department. He's the Emergency Operations Center Coordinator. And we're going to talk a little bit about something called Zone Haven, aren't we, Sean? Yes, we are. We have Nevada County divided up into zones, and you need to know your zone because if bad things start happening later on in the summer, 
We're going to be on the radio and on, on all sorts of media telling you this zone needs to evacuate. This zone needs to get ready to evacuate. That's correct. Knowing Your Zone was a campaign that uh, came forward, obviously, when we went with Zone Haven. And it's been extremely useful. A lot of folks, it's easy to sort of remember where you are as far as it, you know, your number and your zone. We hand out magnets that people can stick to their fridge and you know, write their zone number on it. It's a pretty easy thing to remember. People can save it into the notes of their phone. It's been very, very useful and it's easy to understand. And when we come on KBMR with these emergency broadcasts, when there is a fire and people need to go, we're always saying it's NCO something, something, something. And then you need to know what your NCO number is in Nevada County. That's correct. But just remember, so it's not just Nevada County. So this system is actually countywide. So, you know, and the zones in Grass Valley, for example, the city of Grass Valley will start with GRS and the zones up in Truckee will actually start uh, with TRK. So uh, also Nevada City has their own zones as well um, that start with NEV. Unincorporated areas of Nevada County will always start with NCO. Dash E and then the zone number, and then the various uh, cities also have their individual uh, letter combinations. And then, of course, if you're in Sierra County, Yuba County, or wherever, it starts with a different prefix, but then you need to know your zone there. Yeah, so currently Placer County does not use Zone Haven. However, Yuba County and Sierra County do. So it's very convenient when we have fires that tend to straddle zones or close to the border, like the Rice's fire last year and the Golden Fire the year prior, it's very useful for them to also be utilizing the same system. Now, our coverage goes into Placer County. What are the zones called there, or are they even called zones there? So Placer County sets up evacuation areas based upon the event. So they will actually pick a few points, you know, whether that's a street intersection or some type of landmark or something like that, and then um, basically pick a defined area and then do their alerts that way. So the zones aren't established ahead of time. We're talking with Lieutenant Sean Scales from the Nevada County Sheriff's Department. So if people want to find out what your zone is, I mean, we tell everybody, know your zone. How do they go about that? So the easiest way is they can go to the AWARE website for Zone Haven. It's a very easy to remember website. It's aware.zonehaven.com. The other thing they can do is they can go to the Ready Nevada County dashboard, and the Ready Nevada County dashboard has, it's a one-stop shop for everything emergency that's going on. So it's got the Zone Haven links are there, Code Red links are there, all those types of things involving emergencies are all accessible from the Ready Nevada County dashboard. So let's talk a little bit about when you get a warning or an order. There's a difference between an evacuation warning and an evacuation order. Now, if you get a warning, that means get your go bag ready, get your family ready, figure out your pets, and get ready to go on a moment's notice, right? Uh, Somewhat. So it does mean all that. But if uh, you are somebody who maybe you have your home is on a one-way-out street, so you're limited for your, your routes of egress, then that might be your time to go. If you require more time to evacuate, if you've got, you know, a lot of pets or livestock or anything like that, that's kind of your your time to go. You know, I always tell people, you know, it, it's much better to get out early than it is to try and get out late. The studies show the majority of folks who don't make it through a wildfire and lose their lives, it's folks who have either chosen to 
stay behind or not leave or they didn't get uh, the message or um, just didn't leave their homes early. But, you know, oftentimes, depending upon the circumstances of the fire, uh, you know, you may get the alert right before you have to leave. The fires these days are moving quite quickly. And the other thing to think about is the technology component. So I can send out a code red alert and it goes out over the airways and does its thing. But if the fire has burned through infrastructure that's carrying those alerts, people may not receive the alert immediately. It may have to come through other means. So that's why we use overlapping alerting techniques to try and capture all of those folks. Let's talk about those techniques. How else would you receive an alert? So folks who are registered for Code Red, we do send out Code Reds uh, when we have emergencies, uh, if, if it's warranted. So we'll send out alerts via Code Red. It's an opt-in system that basically people can register by their address. They can create an account through Code Red, and their address will determine whether they receive the alert or not. So in the Code Red system, we have the ability to also use the iPaws system or Integrated Public Alert and Warning System. So what that is, that is where we can send a cell phone alert or a wireless emergency alert to people's phones directly. And so we only use the iPaws system in extreme circumstances where there's a call to action and a threat to life that's immediate. We don't use the iPaws system when it's an evacuation warning. However, we do uh, use the iPaws system when it's an evacuation order, which an evacuation order means leave now, just get out of your house as fast as you can. The whole reason why we're discussing this right now is because we want people to just memorize all of this. Because when it when it really comes down to you've got an evacuation order, you're, you're stressed out, and and you're you know sometimes you're not thinking totally clearly. So you want to have all this memorized so that you know what to do when the situation arises. Yeah, it's very important to practice your evacuation. So, you know, if you have multiple ways out of your home, know what they are drive them at nighttime. The roads can be different at night than they are during the day. Most people have a tendency to evacuate the same way they go to the grocery store or go to work or school or whatever. And in reality, you know, that may not be the best route during a wildfire. You know, road conditions can change if you're, you know, in the backcountry with small private roads and things like that. Trees can come down. So it's not a bad idea to drive them multiple times throughout a season just to make sure your evacuation route is clear of obstacles. We've been talking to Lieutenant Sean Scales. He's the Emergency Operations Center Coordinator for Nevada County. All of this is really important stuff, so people need to remember their zone. Know your zone, right? Absolutely. Knowing your zone is a is a simple and, and easy way to know when it's your time to get out of a bad situation if need be. That's Lieutenant Sean Scales. Know your zone, everybody. For an extended version of the interview you just heard, you can head over to our website, kvmr.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. I just went swimming in the rain. This is not the smartest idea I ever had, considering thunderstorms were predicted. Thunder often travels with lightning, and lightning entering the water can spread out and give you a shock, perhaps even kill you dead. But the sky was half blue and half white clouds when we got in. No worries. We were the only ones there. No boats, no paddle boards. Fifteen minutes later, a little spitting rain, the drops falling all around, making the water's surface look as if tiny geysers were erupting from below. The sound is wonderful. Soft 
blips very faint. We looked up and the clouds were getting grayer. A great blue heron, whom we hadn't seen on the bank, sailed over the lake, reminding us of a pterodactyl, and some Canada geese began their raucous, un-Canadian hawking. My friend and I were gleeful and delighted. We love swimming in rain. It's so silly to be completely wet and also getting rained on. And we wanted to go farther, but turned around, because delight is one thing, but getting zapped by lightning is another. I am a slowpoke at the best of times, but I revved up my side stroke a bit, not panicking, but intent. She is nursing a shoulder injury and not doing her usual speedy freestyle, but she zipped along ahead of me as the rain intensified and moved from the soft single-drop one-at-a-time sound to a general dull roar. We were still laughing. The clouds were turning black. Well, you know I lived, or you wouldn't be hearing my voice on the radio. As we finally rounded the dock, the rain stopped for a minute, and it turned out our towels were only drenched on the top side. We dried ourselves off with the undersides, took some photos of the storm clouds still building over ruffled water, since the wind was now picking up, and walked up to our cars, giddy with the electricity in the air, the fun, still being among the living, and then boom, the crack and grumble overhead. No lightning, but some great bass drum riffs from the heavens, and it went on and on. Possibly you were not a cheerleader in the eighth grade, and for this you can be thankful. I only did it about a week, long enough to learn how to say, Thunder, thunder, thunderation, we are the best team in the nation, which needless to say was a complete falsehood. I can't even recall what sport this was. California private school, so probably soccer. I don't know why people think telling lies at volume is helpful to a bunch of people chasing a ball, but it seems to be the tradition. Luckily, we were young, and it was the mid-20th century, so we didn't have to wear provocative outfits, just our stupid blue gym uniforms with all those snaps. The weirdest things come into your brain, don't they? There I was an hour ago, blissed out, wet bathing suit under my dress, waving goodbye to the beautiful lake and that fabulous weather, and driving through the gate, humming a tune I hadn't thought of in exactly 54 years. Thunderation! Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, June 22nd. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from Prosperity Lanes, offering 18 lanes of solar-powered, air-conditioned bowling, with group accommodations, blacklight bowling, special needs accessibility, and league bowling. Shirley's Grill serves salads, soups, breakfast, burgers, and beer. Open daily. ProsperityLanes.com and Milkman Toner Company. 
providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. This KVMR evening newscast was produced by Kelly Reese. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.